0: That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
2: Welcome back. Everything you're about to hear. This whole episode, is from a trip I took way back in November of 2019. Just put your tray tables up and fasten your seatbelts, folks. It's time for Takeoff.
3: Have a good day. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be departing soon. Before closing the boarding door, federal regulations require all carry-on items are stowed completely underneath the seat in
2: front of you or in an overhead bin. This is Resurrection, a podcast that tells the stories of ordinary queer people who are lost to HIV. Merge onto US 69 South. Oh my god, are you recording this? You're recording me merging onto a highway, literally my greatest fear in the entire world? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. After spending two years reading through Daryl's handwritten letters, poring over his scripts, and interviewing his ex-lover, Dan, we're on our way to his childhood home. I approximately doing Kansas okay. That was so stressful. Uh, hello, we're in Kansas. <laughs> Welcome to Kansas. How's it feel to be in Kansas? That's Matt, my producer. He's on this road trip with me. I was thinking about this on the plane, actually. I was thinking about how... It feels like this project has been about the idea of Daryl in a certain sense, um, and it's always kept him relatively abstract. And I think just coming to this place, coming to where he was from, seeing his, uh, like the house he grew up in. these other places that are super meaningful to him and like his surviving family members actually meeting with him and talking to him, I'm thinking that it's going to take the project out of the abstract for the, maybe for the first time. So I don't know, but maybe I'm setting the expectations too high. (laughs) Maybe it's all going to be a bust. Before we get deep into Kansas, let's review what we know going into this trip. First, by reading a huge stash of love letters from Daryl, written to his partner Dan in the 1970s and 80s, we learned that his mother lived in a town called Cherryvale. In fact, Daryl even sent Dan the address while he was staying with her back in the 80s.
0: My mom's address and telephone number are 908 <coughs> Cherryvale, Kansas 67335.
2: And Cherryvale yes, seemed like an important place for Daryl. He spent a few months there every so often helping his mom out.
0: After all... She was in her 90s. If I hadn't have been here this winter, mom would have been shut in by the weather up until last week. So I am glad I could do it. But it has been the hardest stay in Kansas I've had. I miss Bill very. Daryl even invited Dan,
2: who was in Montreal, to come down to an Allen family reunion in the
0: 1980s. Listen, you guys, you are invited to Cherryvale next summer. When I was here before writing you, we talked about having a family reunion. Anyway, a nephew and I are setting it up. I insisted that with modern lifestyles, we needed to ensure everyone that extended family members would be welcome also.
2: Obviously, Cherryvale was important to Daryl. So we add his mom's old address to the list of places we need to visit. We were also able to find a record online for the location of Daryl's gravestone. Although he died in Boston, apparently he was buried in a cemetery just a short drive from Cherryvale. We add it to the list. Next, we track down a few of his surviving relatives. By now, all eight of his siblings have died. But you'll remember from last episode, we tracked down his niece.
1: Dane, this is Debbie Eastman. And yes, I am Daryl Allen's niece.
2: Debbie is the daughter of Daryl's brother, Richard. And she had a sister named Cindy and two cousins named Ellen and Dorothy. All four of them are down to talk to us. So that's our plan for Kansas an old address in Cherryvale, a cemetery, and four nieces. But there's one more person I have to introduce you to at this point in the story, because he's pretty important. That's my good friend turned producer, Matthew Karyatsumari. Matt. Hello, hello. Who came along with me on this trip. He's the one who was asking me questions in the car earlier.
4: What would it look like or feel like for you to transform Daryl from an idea to something more tangible. Matt was essential to us pulling this trip off. And honestly, it's
2: no wonder why. He's got tons of great qualities. For example, he's really good at being supportive when I get stressed out about driving. Oh my
4: God. Are you merging? (laughs) No. (laughs) Are you merging without
2: looking? He asks really insightful interview questions.
4: What do you think of the weather here? (laughs)
2: <laughs> and he did a lot of keen research into local wildlife before we departed for Kansas.
4: What's a possum? A big rodent with like a, a curly tail, like a, a naked tail, kind of like a big rat. Do those live here? Let's go with yes.
5: Then I think I saw one of them.
4: Let the record show that the dead possum tally is standing at one.
5: No one's ever going to pick up this
2: podcast. I'm okay with that. <laughs> In all seriousness, this podcast wouldn't have happened without Matt. He's been here for every step of the process. For years, we poured all our free time into this project. Evenings and weekends, after our normal people jobs. All on some hope and some trust that this story's worth sharing. Matt didn't have to help, but he did. And I'm glad that you get to meet him. Where are we? We are just driving into Independence, Kansas.
5: Oh, oh, oh. I thought there was an exit here. There's not.
2: Matt and I decide to make our home base in a town of about 9,000 people called Independence. It's central, about 10 minutes from Cherryvale and from the cemetery. Plus, a couple of Daryl's nieces live here.
4: Can you describe your first impressions of Independence?
2: I mean, I think Kansas so far I would describe it as somewhat dustier than places that I'm used to. We were in Kansas in November and it had this golden hue to it. The sunlight eased down onto the fields and roads and houses. It reminds me of just like that main strip that you'd see in like a Western film. Just these like shop fronts. Uh, but a bit more like Midwest
5: America. Midwest rural America, like all American
2: town. Like gold and
5: silver shop,
2: a flea market. Everything in Kansas felt slower. It felt preserved in gold dust, suspended in time. It was the perfect place to hunt a ghost. First thing to do was check in at our Airbnb and then plan our next move.
5: Yeah, this is going to be an experience.
4: Peace out.
2: Now, as much as I was excited about uncovering more of Daryl's life, a part of me was nervous. I was a little scared coming into a small town in rural, conservative America and going around asking about a bisexual man. And you might be thinking that seems a little overblown, but that's because there's something I haven't told you yet. Earlier, I said that all of Daryl's siblings have passed away. And that is true, as of right now. But it wasn't true when we were in Kansas. At that point, one of Daryl's brothers was still alive. And... I managed to get him on the phone before we went to Kansas. Hello. Uh, Hi, is this Alan? Who are you? My name is Dane Stewart. I'm uh, an artist and a radio producer based in Montreal in Canada. Um, And I've actually been working on a project for the last uh, year or so about uh, a man named Daryl Allen, who I believe is your brother. Uh, and I was hoping to ask you a couple of questions about him. Uh, Is this a good time for you to speak for a few minutes?
6: No, I'm very busy. Thank you.
2: Oh, would there be another time that I might be able to... It didn't go well, but I persisted, and eventually I did get him to agree to a phone interview where he did not hang up on me. For the most part, he seemed like a relatively nice, albeit a curmudgeonly man in his 90s until I asked, "Did you Did you ever have a chance to meet any of his his partners? Uh I know he he dated a couple of men in the 80s?"
6: No, uh, I, did, I never met anybody. Okay. Um And I didn't approve of him either. If I had, I met him.
2: If he missed that, he said he never met any of Daryl's AIDS buddies. I've talked before about the darkness that grew inside me when I realized I was gay. This is the sort of shit that darkness thrives on. I remember my heart thumping in my throat during that phone call. And this, this is why I was nervous coming to Kansas. But despite the fear, we hit a pretty lucky break within just a few minutes of checking into our Airbnb.
4: Okay, Dane, can you summarize what we just experienced?
2: It's a difficult to summarize. So we, when we arrived in Independence, we checked into our Airbnb, uh, hosted by a wonderful woman named Jenny and her husband. And... I had mentioned that I was writing a play about a gay man, and she mentioned that there was an LGBT meetup at a local bar in Independence called Uncle Jack's. So we uh, put our stuff away, got ready, and went out to this uh, LGBT meetup at Uncle Jack's. It was overwhelming, (laughs) in a good way, in a positive way. We got to the bar and we saw this table of a couple, uh, about five or six uh, mostly younger people who we thought aesthetically looked like they might be a little bit uh, queer. So we checked in with them and it turned out that they they were the the meetup. Uh, So we started chatting with them. Uh, We had a wonderful man from another table, uh, come over named Todd, who seems like he's one of the resident gays of independence. Uh, if not one of the, the queen gays of independence, it it was just overwhelming the amount of, uh, sort of support and inclusivity and interest that, uh, that we received just immediately. Upon arriving, like we've been here for maybe two hours and uh, like, I feel like we've met so many of the people from the queer community in independence, which honestly, when we came here, I was like, is there going to be a queer community in independence? And as it turns out, there is one. So I'm. Todd agrees to sit down with us for an interview in a couple of days. We take down his number and the evening's been a success so far. We feel lit up inside, uh, burning like a big old gay flame in our hearts that keeps the darkness at bay. So we decide to head somewhere else.
5: Where are we? We've just pulled up to the Liberty Cemetery. Uh, It's 9.24 PM, and we are going to see if we can find uh, where Daryl is
4: buried. You have to turn the lights off. I think. Look at the stars. Holy shit, yeah. Should we have some
2: sort of strategy? As it turns out, yes. We absolutely should have had some kind of strategy. It was a massive cemetery, and we had no idea where Daryl's grave was. We had nothing to go off of, aside from Matt's intellect.
4: So it's a flat... Grey stone. (laughs) Did I just describe every grave ever?
2: (laughs) Matt and I divide and conquer, and we search. Five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes. We even find some relatives.
4: This is his brother? I think so.
2: Kenley Allen? But we can't find Daryl. And it doesn't help that it's freezing outside.
4: I said a touch chilly. Un petit peu. Yeah, my fingers are about to freeze off.
2: And then we realize that we're not entirely
4: alone. I think those are coyotes in the distance. Or dogs. They could be dogs. Dan... We search in
2: the cold for more than 30 minutes.
4: Why don't we go back through this way towards the car and if we can't see anything, maybe we warm up for a bit. Also, do you think those are coyotes in the distance? What do you think those are? I think those
5: are
2: just dogs.
4: Maybe. I have no idea.
2: Matt is ready to bail. He's let the fear get to him.
4: Did you hear that stick crack? Was that you with that stick crack? It was? It scared me, I just want you to know that. Me, on
2: the other hand, I have no fears. Well, almost.
4: You didn't think about it? (laughs) (laughs) I think we should regroup in the car. Dane? Dane? Dane's running around. He's doing a last ditched effort. I appreciate it.
2: We're nearly ready to give up. When it dawns on me that this whole time, we were looking for stones with the last name Alan.
5: It was just in the car where I realized that Bee's maiden name was Reardon, which seemed to be a bunch of these ones.
4: Oh.
2: Could this be the key? Could Daryl be buried amongst the Reardons?
4: His mom's family? Here's Reardon. Chester and Mary. Oh, here. Minnie. Whoa. What's this one?
2: We found it. We found Daryl's grave. The gravestone had weeds and plants growing over it. We had to scrape them away to read it.
5: Daryl D. Allen... November twenty ninth,
4: nineteen thirty eight, October sixteenth, nineteen
5: ninety one. You found it. I don't know what to say. (laughs) It's one of those moments when you look down and see a gravestone and then you look up and see just a sky filled with stars and you are just overcome with the smallness and the vastness of it all at the same time and you don't know what to
2: say. I think about how we all end up like this someday, held fast to the ground under thousands and thousands of stars. With nothing to do but watch the vast cogs of the universe working away. The same cogs that, through whatever fluke or fate or chance, somehow brings each of us into existence. And the same cogs that brought me to Daryl. This is where he is in this
5: crooked little gravestone in a tiny little cemetery in... In the middle of nowhere.
2: But it was somewhere to Daryl. I look at the crooked little gravestone tucked in next to his mom's, covered in weeds. And I wonder who came to see him buried. I wonder if his brother, who decried Daryl's lifestyle, was there. I wonder if the nieces we're going to meet had come. I wonder if they cried.
5: Very quiet and very peaceful, but very quiet.
2: And with that, Matt and I decide to call it a night. First day in Kansas, complete. We'll be back, on to our second day in Kansas, right after this break.
0: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
3: Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com.
2: Hey, we want to tell you about another podcast we think you might like. It's called The Village, from CBC Podcasts, and there are three seasons waiting for you to dive into. The award-winning first season delves into cases of missing and murdered men in Toronto's gay community, dating back to the 1970s. Season two investigates the stories of two transgender women, Alora Wells and Cassandra Doe, whose deaths remain unexplained and whose cases expose the systems that failed them. And Season 3 investigates the AIDS crisis in the 1990s as it tightened its grip on major cities around the world. I've listened to The Village. It's incredible reporting. You can listen now,
4: wherever you get your podcasts. Here we are. <laughs> Dane is speeding through a construction site, deliberately ignoring the signs to give him a break.
5: Stop, 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 stop. Sorry, I was talking to myself. <laughs> Reminding myself that this stop sign means I have to stop.
2: And now, I have. Great. It's the next day.
4: Can you give us an update on where we are and where we're going?
5: We are now driving up the highway north to Cherryvale, where we haven't been before, but uh, Cherryvale is where uh, Daryl's mom was living through the 80s when he kept coming back?
2: I don't know what to expect in Cherryvale. It's a tiny town with less than 3,000 people, but I have images in my head of Daryl sitting with his mom. Maybe she's knitting or cooking or watching TV, and he's writing. Letters to Dan, revisions of his play, Mustang Zero One. I picture a cozy house, a farmhouse, Big enough for a family of 11 and all their Midwestern charm. What I wasn't expecting
4: was this. What's the address we're looking for? 902? 908? 908. Confession, I think the building isn't there anymore, but...
2: We go to the address from Daryl's letters and there's nothing.
5: Oh, okay. Let's go back. I mean, I guess this was 30 years ago. It was. It was more than 30 years ago. It's possible the building's not there anymore.
2: There are houses on either side, but right where Daryl's should be, there's just a gap. An empty lawn of green grass.
4: Okay, so you want to circle around and try to talk to the neighbors?
2: We talked to one of the neighbors living next to the lot. She didn't want to be recorded, but she does tell us that she knew B. Allen, and that there was never a house there. No house, but for many years, there was a trailer. Now, don't get me wrong, I am not hating on trailers, and I can even shift the images in my head. Daryl and his mom curled up in the trailer in December, a hot mug of tea and pages upon pages of writing, taking up a crammed little dining room table. But there's no way that mom and pop Alan raised nine children in a trailer. Plus, What about the Allen family farm? My heart was set on visiting this farm, on seeing where it was that Daryl had spent his childhood. This was the first major roadblock we'd hit in Kansas. Thankfully, we still had another lead to pursue. We know that that the Allen family at one point was living on a farm, and we're hoping to get that uh, information, that
5: address, when we talk to some of Daryl's nieces later on today.
2: In just a few hours' time, we have our first meeting with two of Daryl's nieces. The two were meeting, Ellen and Dorothy, sisters, we've never spoken with before, aside from quick emails and voicemails back and forth. Both Ellen and Dorothy seemed to prefer to wait until we met in person to get into anything. Now, this reminded me a bit of my small-town life in Atlantic Canada. You know, why bother scheduling things weeks in advance, just call me when you're in town and I'll put on the kettle? But it made me a little nervous, too. This was the first time I'd be speaking with any of Daryl's relatives about his sexuality. Well, the first time since talking to his brother. And I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know their views. I didn't even know how much they knew. Was I about to posthumously out Daryl to his nieces? Was I about to reveal he had AIDS to people who never had a clue? And what right did I have, really, to be doing any of this? Good thing Matt's with me to give me some emotional support and help me focus on what's important in the day ahead. Turn
4: right. Dear listener, there is a growing tension in this car between Matt and Dane's driving. Tune in to find out whether Matt ends up rolling out of the car as a demonstration of his frustration.
2: Well, maybe I'll just get to the interview. State your full name uh, and then tell me just a little bit about yourself.
7: Dorothy Whitaker. I used to live in Cherryvale, but I live here in Independence now. And I have two sons and three grandchildren. I worked um, at a factory here in Independence. Standard Motors is what it's called now. And I worked there 37 years and retired six and a half years ago.
6: And I'm Ellen Sewell, and I live in Coffeeville. And I worked the same place she did, and I retired. What, five years ago? (laughs) I have two sons and three grandchildren. And I've been married 48 years to the same man. And we're very happy sometimes. Anyway.
2: Ellen and Dorothy are sweet. They give off strong mom energy. They're both in their 60s. (laughs) Uh,
5: How did you feel about that when you found out that I was digging around for information about Daryl?
7: I said, well, wh- what is this all about, you know? And she said, "Oh, he just wants to get together about Uncle Daryl. And I said, okay. <laughs> no.
2: They seem a little guarded, though. Again, I wonder if I'm throwing myself unwanted into another family's secrets. But maybe they're just nervous about the interview. We ease into it. I ask them what it's like living in independence.
6: Well, my granddaughter loves swimming over here at the park. <laughs> they have a zoo out there, too. Can you tell
2: me a bit more about about your mom, about
6: Lillian? She loved her brother. Oh my gosh, she loved Daryl.
2: And at this point, I feel ready to hear about Daryl firsthand from someone who knew him in Kansas.
6: One thing about Daryl is he had an awesome laugh. When he laughed,
7: it just you could pick it out of you could pick it out of a crowd. Yeah, he taught me how to dance. We were dancing. I was looking down at his feet, and he said, "Don't ever look at the man's feet. <laughs> Always look up. Look into their eyes." I go, "Okay." Oh, hey, <laughs> How old were you?
5: Inside?
7: I was probably fourteen, maybe fifteen, something like that. I started dating when I was fifteen, but you know. <laughs> but I remembered that.
2: Dorothy remembers Daryl's advice on her date,
7: and that was my first real date. Was we went dancing. <laughs> okay. So I looked into his eyes, and then we dated for two years. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it worked
2: (laughs) this fits the image that i have of daryl perfectly the confident young man who always wants to help bring out the best in the people around him uh do you know what their relationship was like between
6: uh your mom and and daryl
7: close they were close
6: very close she loved her brother really a lot And you can see from the letters that she always, always stayed in touch with him, no matter where he was at. She always did.
2: Their mom, Lillian, is the one who kept in touch with Dan after Daryl died. Her letters were one of the reasons I was able to track down Daryl's family in Kansas. Do you know how he identified in terms of his sexual orientation?
6: I never knew till we went to the ball game in Kansas City. Nobody ever told us. huh? And I never thought anything about it. I didn't either.
5: What happened at the ball game? in? Kansas? Well,
6: someone, my dad told me he was gay. I go, eh, no he ain't. He said, yeah. I said, oh, okay. He says, well, look at his mannerisms. And I go, oh, okay. And yeah. then I realized he was. But I never talked about it, to, especially my mom, because she wouldn't believe it. But it was cool with me, yeah.
5: Right from the beginning? It was... Yes.
6: I didn't have anything against him for that.
2: Nice. Like, why do you think you...
6: I think the brothers did, but I never did.
2: Well, and you said your mom also found it hard to...
6: I don't... She denied it, is all I know.
2: So Daryl's sister did love him. Maybe she didn't fully accept him, but she did love him. Love without acceptance. It's a pretty common narrative among us queers. But with an anchor of love, sometimes acceptance, it does come with time.
6: But I never had anything against people. You didn't either, did you? Nah. In fact, I had a lot of friends at work that were, those women that were, yeah, I liked them. Yeah, I went on a trip with one, so I'm not. And I'm not.
2: <laughs> on you know? a trip with a...
6: Gay person. She was real sweet. She was a, a, friend. a she was friend. friend. Great. But we
7: weren't, you know.
2: Depending on how you identify, you may feel like Ellen and Dorothy are being kind and open and accepting. And they are. Interviewing them, I felt in every fiber of my body that these are kind and caring women. But if you grew up queer, maybe you tensed up there at some of the insinuations. I have gay friends, but just to be clear, I'm not gay. Or the idea that you can tell who's queer just from their mannerisms. I suspect Ellen and Dorothy weren't even aware they were saying these things, but these are the sort of subtle comments that plant little seeds of darkness. They're not the big, overt acts of homophobia that cause immediate pain, but they can cause little seeds of damage to take root. At least for me, it's comments like these that work their way inside me, insidiously, growing up in my small town. They still make me question people's motives. Do people watch my mannerisms when I'm out in public? Does my family comment on how I look or act gay when I'm not around? I wonder if Daryl ever thought the same things. A part of me wanted to react more strongly to Ellen and Dorothy, to make them aware of these little comments, to make them aware that they weren't being progressive enough. But then I thought about my phone call with Daryl's brother.
6: No, uh, I, did, I never met buddies, And I didn't approve of them either. If I had, I met him.
2: Ellen and Dorothy have come a long way in a single generation. And I don't know what's the best way to produce progress between generations. Is it better to call people out for subtle, painful comments? Don't get me wrong, getting angry is important, and it's a perfectly acceptable response to a world that's built to tell you that you are lesser than... But sometimes can it be better to sit down with a generation above you, look them in the eye, acknowledge the work they've done, and lift the burden of progress back onto your own shoulders and trudge forward into the future without them? I don't know the answer, but I do know that Ellen and Dorothy did the best they could.
6: We gave him big hugs that last time we saw him.
7: Yeah, and he kissed me on my
6: cheek. And, yeah, we kissed him back, and we knew he had AIDS, because he had those big brown spots all over him, and he he wasn't well at all then. But that was the last time he came home, wasn't it? Mm-hmm, the last time we saw him. You know, back then, when people, oh my gosh, he's got AIDS and all this. I didn't feel that at all with him.
7: At the funeral was... It was just graveside. Yeah, and all the relatives showed up. Yeah, <laughs> I mean all I of mean them. Anyone said anything bad? No. I mean all of them. His all his brothers, all his sisters. Yeah. Well, there, because he was the first one, wouldn't he?
6: Yes, yeah. he's the first one to die yeah. of the sibling Ever of the happened. nine kids, and he was the youngest. Yeah,
7: Ellen and
2: Dorothy did their best to accept Daryl. And his siblings, it seemed they all practiced love, just without acceptance. But at least love. I'm glad to know that when they laid that crooked little gravestone in the cemetery back in 1991, that Daryl's siblings were there. I only wish they knew the parts of him that I know. But walls are the price you pay for love without acceptance. Ellen and Dorothy... Also, managed to give me a lead on the roadblock that we hit earlier. You might remember. We went to a house that was referenced uh, in the letters. I think it was 908.
7: So, her grandma used to live. She lived in a trailer.
5: Okay.
6: Is it still there? It
5: was not there.
6: They had a farm out of Thayer.
5: Uh, Out of
6: Thayer, Kansas. Okay. That was a farm. They lived on a, That's where Daryl grew up.
2: We so we want to find this. We would love to go. there. Cindy will
6: help you there. She knows where it's at. Okay. She'll help you there. We tried to look for it, and we didn't find, find it. it. I can't remember. Okay. That's all right. We used to go there every Sunday. Mm-hmm.
2: We'll ask Cindy about it.
6: Cindy yeah. will know.
2: Cindy is another one of Daryl's nieces. And it turns out she might be the only one who holds the key to achieving what we set out to achieve in Kansas. To understand where it is that Daryl came from. To really understand it. If we can find the Allen family farm, I know, I feel it, that this trip will be a success. And Cindy is the one person who claims to know where the farm might be.
1: But mom said there's no house there. I think I would, if the trees are the same, I think I would still recognize the area.
2: In the next episode, Cindy agrees to take us on a road trip deep into the Kansas countryside to try to find Daryl's childhood home, the Allen Family Farm. Resurrection is a team effort. If you want to help support us, please rate and review us. It helps us so much. Or consider becoming a monthly supporter at patreon.com slash resurrectionpodcast. That's 1S S double R. You can also find a link to that in the show notes. Matthew Rogers is our editor and sound designer and music maker. Ethan Soyle wrote all the original guitar you heard in today's episode. Davide Chietzeze is the voice of Daryl's letters and scripts. Hannah Sung is our executive producer. Our outro track is called Easy to Love, written for us by Clara Jones. Special thanks to Rachel O'Brien, Michelle Soicher, Isabel Deleuze, Katie Hill, Roger Galvez, Amanda Pelleggi, and everyone from Independence who is so generous with us. Matthew Mary is the platonic love of my life and my co-producer. Resurrection is written, researched, and hosted by me, Dane Stewart. The creation of this podcast was made possible thanks to the financial support of the Conseil des Arts de Montréal, le Conseil des Arts de l'Art de Quebec, and the Canada Council for the Arts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.
1: You didn't ask for my impression But to me, there is no question that
5: you have always been
3: Planning for your next trip.